He was a morbidly obese surgeon destined for an operating table and an early death. Now he's a rebel MD who is fabulously fit and fighting to make America healthy again. This is Stay Off My Operating Table with Dr. Philip Ovedia. Well, welcome back, everybody. It's the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast with Dr. Philip Ovedia, cardiac surgeon, ex-fat guy who figured it out six years ago and isn't fat anymore. Kept it off. I'm Jack Heald, your host, and we are joined today by Bill Vogel, who has a story of, of uh, overcoming not just one, but two really significant health issues. So I'm going to say, hey, Phil, it's beautifully warm where I'm at. How are you? I am doing great, Jack. Good to see you once again and uh, really excited for our conversation today. Um, I was fortunate to uh, stumble across Bill, or I think Bill stumbled across me in cyberspace, and it turned out that we uh, actually live about uh, two miles from each other, and so we've been able to connect in real life, and Bill has uh, really an amazing uh, story around health and I'm excited to share that with the world. So uh, Bill is now helping others along the health journey as well, and uh, we'll certainly get into that. Uh, so welcome, Bill, and uh, please uh, introduce yourself to the audience. Sure. Uh, thanks, Phil. Appreciate it. Uh, again, Bill Vogel uh, is my name. I live in, uh, Phil and I both live in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, lovely St. Pete, which is a, a great place to live, but please don't come. We have enough people here. Jack on the <laughs> housing prices up right now. So uh, all the people from the Northeast are coming down and buying. So, but, uh, but anyway, uh, I, I actually, uh, I, I grew up on Long Island uh, in New York, went to school in Connecticut and uh, played some baseball up there and uh, also lived in Atlanta and then moved down to Tampa area in about 2007, 2008 timeframe. So I've been in St. Pete for about four years and it's my, uh, my final resting spot, not, go not going anywhere else. So uh, just a little bit about myself also, I, I had been in the uh, software business. I sold high ticket computer software. So any of the techie gurus out there will know SAP and Oracle and those are the types of companies I work for. Uh, selling very expensive million dollar and over software. Did that for 30 plus years. Got my kids through school, nice life, uh, homes, vacations and all that. And But, uh, you know, the thing about software was it paid the bills and did all those nice things, but I was never really passionate about it. And uh, what I found was I got to the point where I'm kind of done with software and uh, I've always had an interest in uh, health and wellness and I'll tell a little bit more about that as, as we go along here. But uh, I've been following this area for at least 11 years in terms of readings, podcasts, and so forth. And uh, I, I'm just really interested every day I get up and I, I'm passionate about I, what, what I do. Um, I, currently, I'm a uh, health and longevity coach and I uh, work with men and women over, over 50 years old. So people in the second half of their lives who really work very hard. Uh, to get to where they are, building wealth, usually at the detriment of their own health. So uh, that's where I come in to try to get them back to optimal health, to where they were, and you know make their remaining years really uh, uh, energetic 
and being able to do the things they work so hard for their whole lives to get to that point where they can travel, spend time with grandchildren and so forth. So that's my goal. Again, I'm, I, I love doing this. I love seeing the great results that uh, have happened with my clients and uh, just uh, just a terrific way to, you know, uh, and instead of just retiring, I think it's, you know, doing something positive for for really for man and womankind out there and really give them uh, incentive to, to keep moving along and uh, that energy, which is really critical going forward. So that begs the question, why are you like this? Why am I like this? Well, uh, why are you like this? Why everybody has a, uh, a story and, uh, kind of my story from a health and wellness point of view is, uh, about 11 years ago, I, uh, I had put on some weight, uh, but just a little background. I'm a tall guy. I'm six, six. And, um, uh, I had gotten to the point where there was a lot of extra weight going on and there was a particular event. It was a family uh, session. And, uh, we had about 25 people and a group photo and the, and the photographer kept telling me, he said, sir, please button your suit coat. And unfortunately I could not button my suit coat. And he proceeded to say it about five times in front of the entire group family, including my, my wife's ex-husband was in the group too. So Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. So that was my, as I call it, my come to Jesus moment. And I went home that night and I told my wife, I said, I'm never going to be weighed this much again. And I got on the scale and it was uh, 297. That n- number is imprinted on my uh, tattooed on my forehead, more or less. And uh, so from that point on, I did a lot of research and I found that the. Well, hold, the- hold on. I'm going to, I want to stop you right there. Sure, sure. When did you go from being an ath- a, a college athlete to a seriously overweight guy? How long did it take? Were you in great shape for a long time and all of a sudden it ballooned or was it just a slow, steady accumulation of fat? What's How did you yeah. get there? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, Jack, it, it, it was uh, kind of a, a yo-yo situation. I'd go you know, gain some weight, get up to 250. Then I dropped, I, I, I did Nutrisystem, Weight Watchers, uh, Jenny Craig, uh, the whole, I was a vegetarian for a year and actually put on weight. I don't know how you do that, but I did. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, it was a yo-yo back and forth, back and forth. And I know those didn't work for me in terms of a sustainable program for the rest of my life. I didn't, I didn't want to do a short term, they get back on and do the things that are unsuccessful for me. So, so you had a you had this experience of of having tried and ultimately failed at many different things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Of- I mean, they really weren't sustainable for me. I mean, it wasn't something I always looked at as a short term fix, and then I go back right on doing what I was doing before and put it, you know, lose twenty, gain thirty. I'm sure you've heard that story a lot from various folks. But uh, well, I mean, yeah, we hear it, but but you know, it's really easy to to justify in your mind you look at somebody like you who's clearly a picture of robust health and and be and say yeah well I'm not like that though I'm not like that guy he probably has supernatural willpower and access to to the best of this and the the most of that and and we make excuses for ourselves so being able to hear yeah bill vogel tried all the things that everybody tries and failed just mm-hmm. like everybody failed. Right. That's, yeah, that's what I'm asking. Okay. So you have this come to Jesus moment, you're yep. 297 pounds and 
and and now you decide to do something different. I'm guessing that's correct. Yeah. So I, All right. I walk I, us I, through that. Yeah. So I researched the internet and I found something that was a little bit different. That uh, when you look at it initially, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but in the end, it was successful. And it's successful for my clients also. And that, and basically, uh, Jack, it's built around uh, minimizing sugar, grains, and starch, and uh, really focusing on protein and fat, really whole foods, anything that doesn't have uh, an ingredient label on it. So just pure Mother Nature stuff. So vegetables, fruits, uh, beef, chicken, fish, uh, uh, eggs, uh, and that, you know, those types of things. And what I found was after one year, I dropped 75 pounds uh, pretty quickly. It just kind of peeled off for me. And, uh, uh, and that's the same, you know, as a, as a health and longevity coach, that's the same results I'm getting for my clients. It's, uh, it's just cutting those things out, eating real, real whole foods, uh, has made the difference for me. So the, the important piece of that too, Jack, is that I've kept it off for 11 years now. So I've not, you know, yo-yo, it just stayed off completely. And, and you know, movement and exercise is important, but I'm not a three-hour muscle head, go to the gym every day. And, you know, I do, I walk, I do, I do some, a little bit of lifting weights and so forth. But, but you know, those are a couple of the key ingredients in, in losing the weight, plus other things that are important, like uh, sleep management and hydration uh, I do some meditation also. Um, uh, so th- those are the important and key components and, and really, uh, you know, being metabolically healthy, which is really the important thing. And I know uh, Phil brings this up quite a bit that 88% of our country is metabolically unhealthy. And, uh, you know, all you got to do is look around and you can see that everywhere. It's, uh, you know, e- interesting point. My wife told me she was at a, a, a clothing store and she said, even the mannequins now have a little paunch on them, mannequins. And the in the men's section, they actually have dad bods. So they have like a belly and the mannequins. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's it's become the new normal, which is very sad for our country. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, before it used to be the very skinny and svelte female and male models and uh, mannequins and uh and, you know, now it's, you know, it, it's just ridiculous. But uh, but anyway, so that's, it's, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's really never ceases to amaze me, you know, how often we hear the same story and it's your story and it's my story. And, you know, we both have patients and clients, uh, you know, who tell the same story. And what always interests me and what I'd like to hear from you is, you know, what finally got you to that point that you were able to accept this alternative information. Um, you know, I know for you, it, uh, uh, it was really, you know, kind of Vinnie Tortorich's um, ideas, his no sugar, no grains. Um, mm-hmm. Vinnie was one of the early ones that I came across as well. You know, for me, it really started with Gary Taubes. But, you know, there's there's that point where you're finally, for some reason, open to seeing that information and open to receiving that information. So I'd really right. like to hear, you know, what, 
what made you open to that rather than just going back? Because you very easily could have gone back to the Weight Watchers and the Jenny Craig and all of the right. stuff that had failed before. And many people do. Uh, but, you know, you and I and, and so many others at this point have now, you know, had our eyes open and found something that actually worked. Uh, so what what allowed you to actually try that something different? I, I read uh, and maybe you did too, Phil uh, Atkins uh, book and, uh, you know, focusing on and, and it was, you know, kind of revolutionary at the time. It's the exact opposite of what everybody thought. And uh, I said, you know what, let me give this a try. It, it On the surface at that time, it didn't make sense, but it, it, I was seeing results uh, in the first month. Uh, it, it, it stuff just peeled off. And uh, I'm like, wow, there's, there's something to this, I think. And I kept it up and the weight kept dropping and uh, I was satiated. So, uh, you know, eating my meals, I wasn't starving between meals. You know, typically I, I, I'd have... Uh, eggs for breakfast. If I eat breakfast, sometimes I don't, but, uh, you know, eating, uh, protein and veggies for dinner, uh, not eating after dinner. So I, I incorporated these little components into it. And, and these are the same components I, I preach to my, to my clients who I work with. And it, it, it just works. You know, you're, you're full, you're not starving. And when I was on the, the vegetarian diet there, I was starving all day and it, it just never <laughs> filled you up. And, uh, you know, the, the foods I eat now are, are just, uh, taste good. And, uh, you know, we're not eating, uh, you know, cabbage soup every day or anything like that. You're eating real foods and it, they taste good and, uh, and, and, and it works. So, um, but Atkins really, uh, started me off on the whole thing and, uh, it, uh, you know, frankly works. So you can't, you can't get around it. And that's kind of the core of a lot of, you know, on the low carb, uh, kind of low carb scene is, is, is the Atkins diet. He was the, you know, the Moses of, uh, of low carb, I think. And he, you know, again, a lot of people thought he was crazy, but, uh, geez, I mean, it's been so successful. Yeah. And, you know, as amazing as, um, that whole story is, uh, I do know that there's a second part to the story because, you got healthy and then you got sick again and yep. uh, really yep. make sure yep. that we get that part of the story out as well. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody has their bumps in the road. My first bump was the being, you know, basically obese in effect. And then five years after I went through, went through chemo and I actually wanted to throw out something else about uh, yeah. uh, in a moment about chemo, which was pretty interesting, but I found out uh, through a routine blood test, uh, annual physical that my white blood cell count was kind of through the roof. And the doc, my primary physician said, hey, there's something that's got to be wrong here. Let's retest because you're healthy. You're not sick. Something's wrong. Well, they retested and my white blood cell count was way, way up. And uh, so they watched it for a little bit and they ended up doing a biopsy. I had a little lump in my throat, cut it open and said, wow, you have uh, leukemia, not Hodgkin's lymphoma. So uh, kind of kind of devastating when you, when you hear that. But, uh, so I, I went through, uh, six months of chemo. And, uh, at one point I had, before I started chemo, I had 15 tumors in my neck. So it was, I look like, uh, you know, Lou Ferrigno, you know, with the big neck going on there and, uh, but not in a good way. And, uh, but anyway, went through my first, uh, treatment of chemo 
went back a week later just to check in with the doctor and the doctor uh, oncologist said, wow, all your visible tumors are gone. And what I had done is I it was well, listening no, how, to- How long was that? How, how long when, was- When was it? When did, when did he say that? What had, what had happened? Yeah, it was prior? a week after my first- my first treatment of, so I went back and That's he said, what I you thought you said yeah, a week. Yeah. And he's like, wow, this is, we've never seen this before. And I said, you know what? Uh, I, I was listening to a podcast and, uh, and Walter Longo was on and he said, there's a lot of promise we're hearing of fasting the day before the full day before going into your chemo treatments. So I'm like, you know what? I got nothing to lose here. So I went in and I fasted 24 hours before and miraculous results. And, uh, and, and, you know, you know, what really upsets me is that I told the doctor this and he, you, you would think he would say, Hey, this is interesting. Where did you hear this? This might be something I want to use my patient, my other patients. He just said, Oh, that's interesting. And went on and didn't even <laughs> dig into it. I'm like, after saying I've never seen results like this before, after one treatment, you'd think he'd yeah. be digging in and like, wow, this sounds great. Who'd you hear? Nothing. And I'm like, and this is also the same oncologist that had Coca-Cola products and sugar cookies in their in their room where they uh, do the do the chemo. And I'm like, sugar is like the uh, smorgasbord for cancer. I mean, they just sugar is 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 the worst thing. So anyway. But uh, so I, I so Jack, I went through six six months of, of chemo. I'm in remission. There's no cure for leukemia and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So I'm kind of, kind of keeping my eyes open, blood tests, making sure my white blood cell count and just physical exams. And uh, but my doctor had said to me, Bill, if you had come in here at 297 uh, instead of 222, uh, you know, it, it might have been a different result for you. So I thank God. You know, that photographer I was telling you about, I wanted yeah. to choke him that day. And, you know, and now I could kiss him <laughs> because he he changed. If, if he didn't say that, I might still be way overweight and the results could have been far worse. And uh, who knows? But uh, I'm very fortunate and lucky that uh, that it worked out for me. So uh, there's always a reason for, for things. And uh, I'm glad I lost that weight. Yeah, I guess so. So how long ago was the cancer? Was the diagnosis? Uh, uh, five years ago. Okay. So five years ago. four and a half years out from, from your last chemo. Yes, correct. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it, there's, there's no cure, so it could come back. Uh, they, they told me it could be, you know, five years, you could get it again. And that would not be a good situation to get, to have it to come back. But so, so what I'm doing, uh, Jack and, and Phil is, I'm, I'm doing everything I can from a nutrition point of view, uh, exercise, supplements, et cetera. So, you know, if it does come back, I know I gave it my best shot and uh, no regrets. So uh, that that's why I'm like, for example, I stopped five years ago, stopped drinking alcohol completely, uh, just everything lined up. So, you know what, if, if it comes back, it comes back and there's nothing I can do about it. So I can't say, well, I didn't really give it a shot and um, I'm giving it a shot. I'm doing the best I can right now. So uh, don't want it to come back. Yeah. Right, and, you good. know, um, somewhat coincidentally, you know, last week's guest, uh, you know, had a very similar story. Uh, and I know, you know, Chris uh, Cornell, but 
yes. you know, here we are with uh, two people, uh, you know, who share the same story of, you know, uh, doing much better than they were expected to do uh, through uh, cancer. And uh, both, you know, both of you were uh, doing you know, low carb and fasting and, and those nutritional strategies. And uh, it really just, again, saddens me. And, and Jack and I have mm. discussed this on the episode on the uh, podcast many times, how the doctors, your doctors aren't curious about this. And, you know, you would hope that uh, your doctor would say, wow, you know, how'd you do this? And really be curious about it, and can this work for others? And unfortunately, you know, too often uh, they are just so um, kind of entrained, so entrapped, uh, as I say, within the medical system that they just can't see, uh, you know, these amazing results for what they are. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of you know, obviously, new studies, uh, Phil, that you and I see all the time out there that you know things are with great promise and. I don't know if doctors, other doctors just don't have the time uh, or just, you know, go back to what they learned in medical school and kind of stick with that. But uh, there's just new things coming out. They're fabulous. that really could change people's lives. But they just, you know, you know, unfortunately, their doctors are not going to give them that kind of advice. They'd rather, as I say, uh, prescribe and procedures. You know, that's kind of their gig. And, uh, you know, the sick care system versus the health care system. Yeah. It's uh you know, big difference here. So, um, so Bill, I'm, I'm interested in, you know, when people make significant changes, significant permanent changes in their life, whether they're aware of it or, or not at the time, there's almost always some sort of, of, uh, pivotal internal shift Mm -hmm. that occurs. And here in the last 11 years, you've had two of those. Um, I'm interested in what was your, I'm interested in your mindset, in your, uh, your, your mental and emotional and psychological and even spiritual state when you found out you had cancer after having beaten the obesity problem. Right. Where, right. where were you? What, what walk us through that, those, those first few hours and, and days um, and how you processed it and what, what enabled you to, to not be beaten by something that, by a diagnosis that, that undoubtedly really cut your legs out from under you. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, in the beginning I thought it was kind of surreal when they came up with the diagnosis. I'm like, you know, it's almost like it wasn't me and it would, they were saying it to somebody else. And then it then it kind of uh, kind kind of hit home with me quite a bit. And uh, uh, but, but you know, I I never thought about I was going to die from this. I just kept the I, I could have given up. Not that I'm anything fabulous, but you know, with the with the weight gain and loss and the, and the cancer, I just I just know I, I'm going to beat it. And uh, you know, it's funny, Jack, when I went into the uh, uh, the, the room there where everyone was getting their IVs with, with chemo. I mean, uh, I was like the only healthy looking person in there. And, uh, you know, yeah. again, thank you God for getting me to lose that weight. But, uh, I mean, wh- I went in there once to the uh, oncologist office and the nurse said, Oh, are you visiting somebody here? 
who's getting yeah. chemo. I'm like, no, I'm the, I'm the patient. But, uh, you know, I, I just think we all have to be prepared and look, you know, for to be in good health if, you know, the big C cancer happens or heart disease or um, it could be, you know, autoimmune, it could be Alzheimer's, Parkinson's or whatever. But you you're you know, we're, we're dealt the cards in life and it's up to you to play out the hand. And uh, if you play out the hand correctly and keep yourself in optimal health, uh, you can beat a lot of things. So I always felt I was going to beat it. I never I never was a what was me. I'm giving up kind of thing. I just, that's not the right, not, not the right way to go. You know, we have one life on this planet anyway. And uh, I, I didn't want to go out in a assisted living or anything like that. I wanted to, I'm going to go out on my terms. And that's, uh, so I just, you know, I can try to keep a positive attitude. And uh, luckily I had a, uh, I have a great wife who was incredibly supportive of me the whole time. So, uh, she was there and, uh, and also want to mention too, I was never sick during chemo. I didn't lose my hair, nothing. I was, again, I was blessed and it, you know, wow. things, things worked out for me. So, um, but you know, it's, it's all about decisions and I made you know, made the decision when I needed to lose that weight and that, you know, I didn't know then I was going to get cancer. Sure. But, you know, and it just it uh, that helped me on my way and it made a significant difference in the in the outcome for sure. Phil, is there any is there any literature on survival rates with cancer as it relates to what we what we've been talking about, the, the markers of metabolic health? Um, well, is yeah, there a so clear there's, connection? Yeah, there are certainly data that uh, people who are metabolically unhealthy are at higher risk for uh, many types of cancer. It's not all types of cancer, but many types of cancer. Um, we are starting to see some data that uh, ketogenic diets uh, may be a useful adjunct to chemotherapy uh, for certain types of cancer. Um, and again, you know, no one is suggesting that diet should replace chemo or replace, you know, uh, traditional cancer treatments, but uh, there's a good reason to think that they might be an adjunct to them and, and help uh, increase, you know, how effective the treatments that we have, you know, can be. Uh, so uh, th those are really the data that we have right now around metabolic health and cancer, uh, but it's an area that's actively being explored. Uh, you know, what discourages me a little bit is I see more progress in the sort of scientific literature around cancer and metabolic, uh, you know, health than I see in the day-to-day -day practice around cancer. And, uh, you know, I don't see that oncologists, cancer doctors as a whole are really embracing the role that metabolic health plays in the, you know, in the development of cancer and in the potential treatment of cancer. But I think that will time, that will come with yeah. time. One of the uh, aspects of this, I think, that uh, really resonates with me, Bill, is, you know, that hope. And, you know, you talked about you had hope, basically, and that was helped you uh, through this difficult time. And another sort of unintentional theme uh, that we've had going on the last few weeks on the podcast has been, you know, aging well and aging gracefully. And we've had a number of guests on who have improve their health dramatically late into life. 
And I know you work with uh, men and women now, you know, mm-hmm. later in life, over 50, to help them improve their health. And it's oftentimes viewed that you can't do that. You can't get healthy, you know, once you're past a certain age, uh, or it's not worth getting healthy once you're past a certain age. Um, so what has your experience been around working with older clients? And what do you find helps them to get that hope back that they can regain their health yeah. and they can be, you know, healthy as they age? Right, right. I, I think, one, I mean, first of all, I start with myself as an example, uh, you know, do as I say, you know, kind of kind of deal. And uh, but uh, I have examples from uh, one example, my favorite mother-in-law. Uh, 76 years old. Uh, she was uh, uh, 241 pounds, uh, really depressed, um, walks around with a walker. I mean, she was one fall away, breaking her hip and it was down, it would be downhill from there. And what I told my wife, I said, look, let's have your mother move in, in with us for a month and I'll get her on the right path. So my wife said, I won the son-in-law of the year award on that one. But her, her mother's a, a delightful person, and she did whatever I said and to do. So we got her on the, the you know, the uh, no sugar, carb, starch, got her, to, uh, got her moving around. When she first, we're in a high rise here in St. Pete, and my mother-in-law couldn't walk from our unit at the end of the hall to the elevator and back without being winded. After a month, she was going around the block two to three times with, with, a, with a walker, but but since four months ago, she's dropped, she's actually under 200 pounds now, uh, first time in probably 25 or 30 years. And the best part about it for her is she went uh, shopping for clothes recently with my wife, and she can now shop in a different section of the department store. Before, it was the big and extra large lady. Now she's actually shopping in the normal uh, women's section, which is like, you know, it, to us, it's like, eh, but to a woman, that's a huge deal. And uh, she just, yeah. so anyway, now she's she's optimistic about life. She's happy. People have never seen her so excited. Uh, and this is years and years of, of being depressed. So this is, I mean, and she's just one example of, you know, staying with the formula, doing the right things, and the pounds will come off. And she's actually off of three meds that uh, she originally was on too. So I mean, things are looking bright for her at, at 76. And that's 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 pretty impressive. And there was no magical formula. I'm not the great the grand wizard of, of anything here. But, you know, we, we, it's a proven it, it's a proven method and it, it worked for her. And she, she's happy as a lark. Uh, she's I, I'm so ecstatic about that, that she uh, just did the things she was supposed to do and she stayed on it. And it's it's been terrific for her. she definitely added years onto her life and happy years, which is more important. You know, there's there's a uh, uh, health, ex- uh, your health uh, life and there's your you know life expectancy. And you just don't want to live out the final years of your life. You want to live them to be health and, and a healthy matter. And uh, she's going to have that now, which um, I again, it's uh, a lot of people look at it as a miracle. But I, I just think, you know, she just needed someone to to guide her, hold her accountable, uh, which is really the bulk of what I do is I hold my clients accountable to a plan. Stay on the plan. You'll get great results out of it. So anyway, that's a, that's a, uh, an example there, Phil, of, of, of you know, how it can work for, for people out there. 
Talk about this holding people accountable. How does that really work? Okay. Yeah. So uh, when I when I bring on a new client, we uh, uh, I look at their health history. You know, see where they are. Look at their parents' history uh, in terms of their how long they lived and so forth. What they're eating every day. What they're uh, are they exercising? Are they moving around? And what I do is I put a, a personal plan uh, together for each of these people. So people are starting from different point, points of view, sure. uh, depending where they are. But I, what I do is every single week we have a, uh, a meeting. Uh, typically, it's on Zoom. Uh, so I'm, I, I coach virtually. So I have people in California, so at them. everywhere. <laughs> and, and we get to. So just the uh, so I, I don't I don't sell meal plans. I don't sell supplements. It's just you pay me for accountability. So they know every Tuesday morning at 830, they're talking to Bill and I better not be telling them I had, uh, you know, a couple pizzas and, and, and pasta and cereal for breakfast and all that. So they, by just me being kind of their Jiminy cricket, you know, on their shoulder and, and over overlooking them, they're always, they're always thinking about that. So what I'm trying to do, Jack is, is uh, work with them to develop new habits and really change their lifestyle. Uh, not just for three months or six months, but for the rest of their life. And uh, so this accountability is, is, is really what keeps it, keeps it going. It's hard for people to do it by themselves. I was fortunate enough I could do it by myself, but uh, people can slip and there's nobody watching them but themselves. And all of a sudden, all the great results they've had, you know, go south. And uh, but if you got Bill watching you, you know, you're going to be you know, you know, they're weighing in, checking out what's going on. And I constantly uh, talk to them about, hey, you know, let's go over every aspect of, of uh, metabolic health with you and see where you are on a week to week basis. So uh, it's it's really worked every I have. So, uh, so you actually just have a, a whole list of things that the two of you together have agreed that that the client is going to do. And yes. you are just saying, OK, How'd you eat? What did you weigh? How much water did you drink? What kind of exercise do you get? What kind of date? It's a, it's literally just kind of almost a, a, a management type of relationship. Yes. Yeah. You've got a set of metrics that you're, you're, you're measuring against and, and people just report back to the boss. Yep, exactly. And, and people will, I mean, we're human beings. People are going to slip up, uh, had, uh, uh, couple meetings this morning and one of them said I uh we had family thing we had pizza and ice cream and I'm like you know what don't go down the path of that's horrible you know tomorrow's a new day pick it up right from there and you know occasionally slip-ups are going to happen and sometimes you're in a situation where you're going to someone's house for dinner and that's all they they may have lasagna and that's it and you're and you 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 got to be cordial and eat, eat it and uh but you don't, you don't let it get you down. You, you, you get back on it the next day. And that's, that's kind of how I work. We're, we're not looking for a hundred percent perfection, but you know, as close to excellence as possible is, is, uh, is a great thing. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to say too, Jack was when we start with new clients, one of the things I encourage them to do is go in their house with a big lawn and leaf bag and get rid of a lot of stuff. Like Doritos, potato chips, ice cream—you um, know all the things that are that are not good for you. You know, if there's that temptation there, it's so easy to go in and say, "Oh, I'll just have a bite of ice cream," and it ends up before you know it, the 
pint is gone or the half gallon is gone. So, <laughs> uh, but you got to, you got to, you got to oh clean, God. you got to clean house. And it, and it, and it's more challenging too, if you have a family and there's kids and they're eating whatever they're eating. Uh, but it, 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 it takes a lot of self-discipline is what it, what it does. So, so I was going to ask you that what's, what is the most common challenge or problem that your clients face? And I guess it would make sense to talk about how together you overcome that particular challenge. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just, uh, it, it's it's totally a, a mindset of uh, just developing the new habits. For example, if they're eating cereal for breakfast, uh, you know, discourage that. That's on the on the no, on the no good list. But replacing that with something that's filling, like maybe it's eggs and and bacon, uh, you know, things like that, or or you know, so full the, fat yogurt. So to, to, the you common know, taking, problem is 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 more mental than anything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and we're going from a society where we are right now, Jack, to where people eat from the moment they get up to the moment they go to bed. It just, be, you know, the meals plus snacks. And one of the things I try to do is, you know, get them down to three meals. Some of my clients have two meals a day. So what we try to do also is we push that if they're eating breakfast, we push the breakfast time back an hour, an hour and a half, two hours in the morning. So uh, part of the program is, uh, you know, uh, uh, an intermittent fasting, or I call it eating windows. So people are eating between maybe 10 in the morning and six at night. So they get 16 hours of times that they're not eating. So their, their whole body can, uh, adjust, you know, adjust and start, uh, going after that stored fat. And, uh, that, that's, I, I don't like to call it fasting because people that has a, a, a bad name sometimes. So I call it eating windows. So you're eating windows are between this time and this time. And one of the things we do, too, is uh, since you're getting satiating food is uh, the the uh, need to snack really goes down quite a bit. So you're not, you know, eating mid morning, mid afternoon and so forth. So uh, and that's one of the things my uh, favorite mother in law told me. She says, Bill, I'm not hungry in mid afternoon. I'm not hungry after dinner. So my clients do not eat after dinner. Uh, period. That's one of the the key times we 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 stay away from food after dinner. So if you're eating, you know, proteins and fat and 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 veggies for dinner, you're going to be full, and uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna be starving at nine thirty at night and make popcorn up or grab the Doritos bag or something like that. So yeah, yeah. so it's it, it's really changing lifestyle, and it it, it takes time, uh, changing your habits. Um, but, you know, if you just keep doing it and doing it, you, you get used to it. And uh, and at the end of the day, you're you're you've lost weight. You have more energy. Uh, you, you know, you sleep better at night. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that come out with uh, when when there's a, a, a substantial weight loss. And uh, my clients have anywhere from 30 pounds to 100 pounds to lose. So every and everywhere in between. So. Uh, everybody's at a different starting point, basically. And Bill, how much do you think that your background in sales comes into play as a uh, coach? Uh, because, you know, it's one thing to do it for yourself. Uh, yep. It's another thing to be able to convince others to do it, to sort of sell others on the, uh, you know, the purpose 
and the practicality of doing it. Yeah. You know, it, uh, you know, I, I'm not a doctor like you are, Phil, or anything like that. But uh, what I do is, uh, in addition to our weekly meetings, I'm sending them uh, articles. Uh, actually, I sent them out an article on yours on uh, heart disease today to each of my clients. And uh, and actually, just another a plug for your book. Uh, every, every one of my clients gets a copy of, you know, stay off my operating table right from the beginning. So uh, it, what that means to them is that, okay, it's not just this health and longevity coach saying, preaching this. It's a it's a it's a heart surgeon, uh, a cardiologist who's backing me up on it. So that's that's how I, uh, you know, I get them to believe. And uh, and at the end of the day, it's the results. Right. They if, if they're not getting results, if it's not working for them. You know, then that's the way it goes. But they're all seeing results, every every one of them. And uh, but, you know, reinforcing it with articles and, and videos by yourself or Ken Berry and people like that really, uh, really makes a difference. You know, they, it just, it backs up everything I say. So, which, which is real important. Yeah. And I think ultimately, you know, what I find when I'm first talking to people about this, they're really not that interested in the particulars, in the logistics. They're interested in the results that they're going to get and the problems that, you know, you can help them solve. And, you know, the, the, actual implementation is sort of, you know, a secondary issue for most people. You first have to convince them, you know, of the, they have to know the why for themselves and you have to be able to, you know, relate to them that, you know, you're going to be able to help them uh, solve these problems and reinforce their why. And then the particulars, the implementation, I think becomes an easier and a secondary issue. And, and what I what I do, Phil, too, is, uh, uh, you know, these people took many years to get to their point where they are metabolically unhealthy. And you can't I can't throw the kitchen sink at them and say, here's all the things you need to do. So I emphasize from the beginning, let's do small, reasonable changes. So we've developed new habits over time and we build upon those habits. We get the successes and we just add more. For example, a lot of my clients will start off with uh Week one, don't eat after dinner and walk around the block after you eat. I mean, as simple as that. For some of my clients, they, they don't walk at all or they eat, they gorge at night. So it may sound simple to uh, us three here on, on the podcast, but for them, that's a major step. But, uh, but they have to develop these new habits. And once they get those uh, you know, down, then we start building on that. Uh, by adding, you know, new things onto it slowly but surely. And uh, it's, it seems to have worked with with my clients. And, I, and all the reading I do, too, I, uh, that's the way to do it from what I've seen. Well, all right. A lot of stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm always fascinated with the psychological side of these kinds of changes. Um, I'd love to hear, you know, pick, pick a client. Let's keep it anonymous. Okay. Worst, worst incoming, best outgoing story you've run into with, with clients. You've helped with clients. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and besides my mother-in-law, which is, which is, a, a that was pretty remarkable. Case. How much yeah, did she lose? She's lost, uh, she's under 200 pounds for the first time in like 30 years. So she was 241. She's five foot nine. 
and uh, she used to be taller until she got hunched over a little sure. bit here. But uh, but she's uh, you know spectacular. I mean, it's been like ten pound, eleven pounds a month, and you know wow. just walking and eating better. Um, um, another example: uh, uh, a gentleman in my building who I'm working with uh, dropped about uh, three months now, thirty eight pounds. So he's uh, he's right on on plan and uh, goes to the gym three times a week. But he's really uh, religious about the cutting out the uh, the carbs, basically eating eating well and uh, just spectacular. I and mean, people compliment him and like and you, you when you lose weight, the first place you see it is in their face. And whether it's my mother in law, this gentleman in my building, or some of my other clients, you see it in their face initially. Wow, what what, what happened? You look great. And, uh, but you know, now, I want to, I, I want to drill down a little deeper because uh, the, the numbers you're describing to me are pretty significant. Uh, a calorie is roughly 35. I mean, 3,500 calories is, is roughly a, a seventh of a pound. Is that right? Or is a pound? If we, it, it, that's right. If you say a if pound of 3, fat is around 3,500 calories. Right. So if you, if you, if you eat at a 3,500 calorie a week deficit, you should lose a pound a week, all things being equal. And you're reporting people losing 10 and 11 and 12 pounds in a month. Right. Which is several times. That's, 10 pounds is 35,000 calorie deficit in a month. Um, that's a thousand calories a day deficit. Right. Are people really overeating that much or am I, I doing I, the math wrong? No, I, I, I think they are. When you look at uh, the average American is consuming a hundred, was it 152 pounds still roughly of sugar a year? Uh, and it's not just eating dominoes with a spoon it's mixed into the processed foods and to your breads and muffins and bagels and desserts and everything. But one, one of the things I do on this particular program, Jack, is there's no calorie counting at all. Zero. We just, if you eat the right foods and you're satiated, you're full, you, you're, you're actually going to be eating less, less food automatically. So you're not eating all the, really the garbage out there. So there's no calorie counting at all. You know, I, I, it's, that's too tedious and I don't, I, I agree. Know, I'm just, those yeah. numbers are astonishing just knowing how the math works. But, you know, I, I just a brief story. Um, this past month of February, Phil inspired me to go full, full carnivore. Mm -hmm. So I've been, it's been more like 95%. Um, but I've been tracking my macros and I was, I was eating low carb anyway. Um, but I noticed as, as I cut out literally everything but animal products, my caloric intake was down, mm -hmm. not intentionally. I just, I ate what I wanted and I felt fine. And I was, I guess I was really surprised at, I, I, I'm finding out that maintenance for me is about 400 calories a day less than I thought it was, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is kind of terrifying to think about the fact that I was eating 2,800 calories a week 
more than I needed just to, to maintain. Um, I, I guess what you're describing is, is that kind of experience that I've had where you just feel better eating less. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as, the, as we've uh, discussed, you know, while calories in calories out, you know, uh, it is, you know, works in a theoretical and, and sort of a mathematical model. We see over and over that it's not useful as a framework for people losing weight. And as a goal, it really doesn't work for people to lose weight. And the types of food that we're eating definitely affects the amount of food that we end up eating, as well as the way that our body processes that food. Uh, so it, it really, you know, kind of uh, discredits the the calorie in calorie out model. Yeah. yeah. You know, one thing I wanted to mention too, Jack, we haven't talked about, but, you know, in the last two years with COVID and so forth, uh, um, you know, when you look at the people, unfortunately, who have died uh, with COVID, uh, basically, People don't, from what I, I mean, I do tons of research on it. They don't die from COVID. They die with COVID. And right. over, I think the last number I saw was 95% of the people who died with COVID had uh, uh, typically three comorbidities. So they were obese, uh, t- type 2 diabetic, heart disease were the type, the top three. So the, the, the virus went at the low-hanging fruit. And so that, it should have been a wake-up call to our country to say, hey, look who's dying from this. You know, we need to change the way we're doing things today. And that, you know, I, to me, that was the real pandemic is, you know, 75 percent of Americans are overweight or obese and it's it's gotten out of control. And this, of course, happened after, you know, Ansel Keys back in the 50s and 60s and George McGovern and all this stuff about low fat, no fat. And in the end, we're all getting fatter as a country. Yeah. And uh but you you look at it at, at COVID and it's like this should be a wake up call, folks. Look at the people who are suffering. And you know, if if, if COVID had happened fifty years ago when people were more slender, I, we wouldn't have had as many people dying because more people were metabolically healthy uh, compared to now. So um, you know, that's one of the key things. And in, in my that's the money quote right there. Yeah, in my in my in my 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 practice here with my clients is is that's. You know, if this something like this comes back again, you want to be prepared, kind of like I was, you know, prepared, you know, uh, unknowingly for my cancer. Right. Uh, I lost that weight, not knowing a cancer would come. But uh, but luckily I had it off and that made the di- whole difference in the world. I mean, if I was still 297, I could have been a casualty from COVID very easily. You know, I mean, that could have happened. So, uh, you know, if, if you're keeping yourself in optimal health, I think you got a real great shot at, at beating most everything out there. And that, again, that should be the big wake up call. But the media doesn't want to talk about that. So, um, well, and that's, that's why we're here. Yeah, exactly. And and as hard as I search, I am yet to find something that you were less, you know, well prepared for or worse off uh, facing if you were metabolically healthy than if you were not metabolically healthy. So. Uh, I think that's very well said that, you know, we none of us really know what's in store for us. uh, But I'm pretty confident telling, you know, the patients that I work with and the people that I interact with that whatever is going to come, you're going to come through it better if you are metabolically healthy than if you were not. Yep. Yep. Well, I think that's that's a good place to put a bow on the whole thing. That kind of 
ties it up and, and makes it work. Yep. Yep. Bill, uh, um, folks want to work with you. How do they do so? How do we get a hold of you, talk to you, find out if, if you're the right fit for them as a, as a coach? Sure. Uh, my, I have a, a website. Uh, it's uh, www.my50plushealth.com. And uh, I live in St. Petersburg, Florida. And uh, typically what I do, Jack, is if people are interested, I do a 20-minute consultation free call just to kind of outline how the program works and see if it's something for them. Uh, you know, potentially. And uh, uh, I work typically on a six month program. You know, it's taken these people typically years to get to where they are. So there's no magical pill or formula that's going to convert you in two weeks. So it, it, it right. again, it takes time to change the habits and the lifestyle. And uh, but once you get on that, um, you know, really almost miracles can happen for you. So it's uh, right. But that's that's basically the way I work. And again, I work virtually. So people all over the country I can be talking to. uh, um, And I I basically work almost I don't work crazy hours seven days a week, but I have client calls seven days a week. So um, uh, whatever, whatever works for them after work, before work, lunchtime, it uh, it seems to work. The other thing I'm also going to be starting soon uh, is a uh, working more uh, on a corporate level. So going corporate wellness programs. So I'm going to be adding that into my individual one-on-ones of going into companies from an in- informational point of view, and then maybe small groups or one-on-ones from those. But uh, there's a big emphasis now on more corporate wellness, adding more, uh, you know, people are, it's a hard, hard to get people now. And, uh, you know, yeah. they want their clients, their, their employees to stay, stick around and you're, and by the fact that there's a corporate wellness program looking out for them, what's best for them, not just doing their jobs, but keeping them healthy, keeping their families healthy too. So uh, that's going to be a, a part two that I'm just going to be starting sh- uh, pretty shortly. All right. Good deal. Well, this has been the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast with Bill Vogel. Thanks for being with us. Thank you can reach you. Bill. Uh, we talked about that and that will be in the show notes as well. And of course, Dr. Philip Ovedia. Phil, I'm the one who always does this, but I want you to tell people how to get a hold of you this time. Oh, uh, everything's at www.ovediaheartheath.com, O-V-A-D-I-A, hearthealth.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at iFixHearts. I've been following Dr. Phil on, <laughs> our Dr. Phil. I've been following <laughs> Dr. O on Twitter for, for well over a year. Um, and it's just, it's inspiring. It's good stuff. So I highly recommend it. All right. Well, for uh, Bill Vogel and Phil Avadia, I'm Jack Heald. We'll talk to you next time. Okay. Thank you. Chances are you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't need to change your life and get healthier. So take action right now. Book a call with Dr. Avadia's team. One small step in the right direction is all it takes to get started. Contact us at ifixhearts.com slash talk. That's ifixhearts.com slash talk.